Hello and welcome to the IAA Mobility Visionary Club. Today's episode is all about the metaverse and what it means for mobility. Welcome. Today's episode is all about the metaverse. We're going to be looking into our crystal balls and talking about what exactly the metaverse is going to mean for our mobility and our future. I've got a great panel here with me in the studio and joining virtually. Let me introduce them to you. We'll start with you, Catherine Panier. Catherine comes from Boston Consulting Group, where she's been advising automotive companies for over a decade. Catherine, great to have you. Thank you so much, Sarah. We've also got Florian Albert. He is one of the co-founders of Aves Reality on a mission to create a VR twin of the world. Florian, that sounds so intriguing. I can't wait to learn more. Yeah, happy to be here. Great to have you. We have also got Bastian Rashka joining us remotely. He is the director of automotive mobility and travel at a little company you might have heard of called Meta. Bastian, great to have you. Thanks for having me and welcome. Hi from Hamburg. <laughs> Our next guest is Tom Vestendorp. He is responsible for NVIDIA's automotive data center business in Europe. Tom, welcome. Thank you. And last but certainly not least, we have Gesina Schwenger. She's the director of e-commerce and digital products at Mercedes-Benz. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Guys, I'm so pleased to have so many talented innovators in one room together. Let's start with a big question. I'm gonna ask each of you to fill in this sentence. The greatest added value of the metaverse, which can significantly change our industry in the coming years is blank. And Katrin, I'm going to put you on the spot. Awesome. So to me, it's really the ability to predict any issues along the value chain virtually before they actually um, occur physically. So that will really mean a fundamental shift in how we develop cars, how we're going to build cars, and how we eventually will also sell cars. Okay, that sounds pretty promising. Florian, fill in the sentence for me. I would put it a little bit more generic. Um, I see a big potential in how we can interact with digital content because the metaverse, if you see it as the virtual world context, it's way more natural than viewing stuff on two-dimensional screens. So I think there's huge potential in there. All right, you see potential, Bastian. I have a feeling that you see potential as well, but tell me what you think the greatest added value of the metaverse is gonna be. Yeah, I think it will be the feeling of presence. And by that, I mean the feeling of presence between people, but also the presence between people and brands and how much more immersive it will become when the metaverse fully becomes to life in the next couple of years. Okay, Tom, I'm going to let you weigh in next. All right. Um, yeah, I actually want to, I would even take it one level higher and say that, you know, by, by being able to build a better virtual world, we're actually helping to create a better real world. Um, so I really feel we're entering a new evolution of AI, and it's really like the next big industrial revolution. All right, I'm hearing a lot of optimism, a lot of hope. Gazina, what's the Mercedes-Benz perspective? Well, if you look at the OEMs, you probably look at the early value chain, so probably look at virtual plants, uh, new ways of working in R&D. Uh, so if we look at the next years, that's probably it. Okay, so I, I'm hearing a lot of collective optimism, a lot of potential. Metaverse is a broad concept. Let's try to narrow things down here. 
what do we mean in the context of mobility when we talk about the metaverse? Let's let's agree to agree what we're talking about. Catherine, why don't yeah. we start us off? Let me, let me give it a try, right? And, and you know, there are many different definitions of the metaverse out there, and probably each one of us has a different perspective on it, yeah? If I purely look at it from a technology perspective, we can see there are different kind of technologies that are converging or that they're moving towards convergence, yeah? That is, for example, AR, VR, this is uh, Web3.0, this is M platforms, but also in the auto context, it's more IoT, uh, AI, we heard, right? And these technologies all come together and we see that they're creating something truly new. And it's really, it's a, it's a virtual world. It's 3D where we can create things, where we can simulate things. And the, the great thing is really um, what we are simulating, it obeys to the law of physics. Mm. So in that kind of world, um, what, what I can imagine is really users are becoming more like creators and owners of new things. Um, we will also see that assets today, like uh, our cars, the factories, the, uh, our stores, uh, we will all build them first virtually before we will build something, uh, something in real, uh, physically. And essentially also innovation through collaboration, because this is a shared, or we imagine a shared platform, right? Uh, this, this collaboration will be taking to a complete new level. Okay, a whole new level of collaboration. Any other views on that before we move on? Yeah, I think it's, uh, what is interesting in my point of view is this, as you say, collaboration perspective, because we kind of, in our company, imagine it as a massive multiplayer approach. Hmm. And if you put out the player, but put in some whatever R&D department and so on, it's just collaborating on a new level, I guess. All right, collaboration. Bastian, I want to come to you for this next one because you know we're talking about the metaverse like it already exists, and in a way it does, but we're also still building it. This is new technology. Give me an internet metaphor here. If we're comparing the metaverse to the first version of the internet, what year is it? Is it 1975? Is it 1997? Where are we, Bastian? I'd say it's the early 90s, um, to be honest. The way how we see it is that every decade or every one or two decades, there's a huge technological shift happening. Uh, we all, at least most of us now, we all remember the shift from desktop to mobile. I was about to say we all remember the shift when the internet got invented, but I probably don't really. Um, but let's, let's face it, we believe that eventually the metaverse does have the potential to... Um, be the successor of the mobile internet. So currently, at this point in time, it's the beginning of that technological shift. We are not really there yet. And to be clear, it's not a matter of months, it's a matter of years until we have the full metaverse experience. So it's currently at this point in time where the mobile internet um, is a mass media channel and mass platform and where we are about to enter the next generation of social connection, which will eventually be the metaverse. All right, it sounds very exciting. I'm gonna ask you guys all to put your thinking caps on. It's the year 2040. I, Sarah Harmon, am going to buy a car. What does that experience look like from a consumer perspective? Because you know, why, why don't you tackle this? You, this is right up your alley. Oh, I think the first question is, uh, do you buy a virtual car or do you buy a physical car? And that is right. uh, I'm convinced if you're talking about 2040, yeah. uh, you will buy both, yeah? Uh, both. And both. Of course, because you live in uh, two realities and of course you want to have your products uh, in both worlds. So I think it's rather the question uh, that 
the two worlds are going to be melting into each other, mm. right? If you buy a piece of art and um, put your Apple glasses on, then you see it every morning on your wall. So this uh, virtual piece is in your reality, yeah. also in the physical reality. So you might also sit in your autonomous driving Mercedes and spend time in the metaverse, right? In the parallel. So um, I'm convinced you're going to buy, buy a, a virtual car. Um, as an NFT mm. and probably a physical car as well. That's so interesting because I'm thinking back to like when ebooks came out and it was, I always wondered if I buy the book, why yeah. don't I get the virtual copy as well? From a Mercedes perspective, would it make sense to say if I buy this sporty SUV, I get the same one in the metaverse or am I going to have to buy it twice? I'm just thinking of the consumer here. I think we really have to see how this develops, right? Um, today, you don't see that you buy a piece of art in as an NFT and you have the physical one. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, Today, it's really split, split in these two realities. Let's see how this develops. Um, as of today, what we would rather see it as separate okay. commerce blocks. And Maybe an open question. I'll let whoever wants to answer this jump in. How am I going to be buying it? What is that experience going to look like as a customer? Am I going to drive to the dealership and be like, one Mercedes and one NFT, please? <laughs> Everyone's laughing, so I feel like the answer I mean, is no. I mean, you're right. If I may get back to that, you probably buy the physical product and the virtual product in the metaverse, right? That's the one thing. On the other hand, you really need to make sure as a brand that you own the customer experience from the very first step on. So you might rather prefer to be in the um, the customer to be directly in your showroom mm. um, and uh, then really guide him through your experience. So um, on the other hand, Probably if you look at the NFT NYC uh, projects where you see you can navigate in New York, then probably there might be also a nice use case where you also drive in your virtual car. Yeah. Okay. Bastian, what are you guys at Meta working on for us? Do you have any, any beans you want to spill here or, or just give us your vision perhaps? How are we going to buy our cars in the future? Well, the honest but boring answer is we don't really know yet. Um, <laughs> the, the challenge of the metaverse really is that there are no real limits any longer. It's just our own imagination that is limiting our thinking. So the the perspective that I'd like to share is that I believe the consumer journey of buying a car in the future will look very different of what we know from today, not only in terms of transferring the existing journey going to your car dealership into the metaverse, I think it will be a whole different set of experiences, something which you simply cannot do in real life. Um, creating surreal worlds, creating um, experiences that are simply not possible today um, in real life. So something like this, what is needed to get to that point is on the one hand side, more hardware, uh, and this will take time. So as of today, um, you probably all know some of the, the early hardware products that are out there, like the Quest 2, um, the virtual reality headset, which is one part of the metaverse. It's virtual reality, but it's not the entire metaverse. And it's still, let's face it, it's somewhat bulky. So we have it lying on our desk, um, but we don't take it with us all the time. So I think the metaverse of the future will be much more immersive like the mobile internet is today. So we have it in our pocket, we have it in our hand, wherever we are. If it's out there on the streets, if it's in our living room, if it's in the office, um, it doesn't really matter. Um, Coming back to the point of buying a car, uh, I think it will be much more, e much easier, much more seamless to explore all aspects of a brand and their products from wherever you want to be. So no need to visit the physical dealership until the very last point. So people probably still want to test drive the car for real, not just in virtual reality. 
But I think it will really just be the last percentage point of that consumer journey. Mm -hmm. Everything else will be actually richer, I believe, than going to even the nicest dealers, dealership flex store um, that is that is out there today. I don't know. Some dealers give you free champagne if you buy a car. That's going to be hard to beat. I want to. I want to get Tom's perspective on this, um, because you're you're responsible for Nvidia's automotive data center business in Europe. How are you guys thinking about this? Yeah. So, so I think there's um, there's a lot of talk about NFTs and about enjoying a metaverse and being in a in a virtual world. But there's <clears throat> use cases today of the metaverse that can already be applied and and and. Uh, people can enjoy that. Um, <clears throat> so if you're talking about the future, how are you going to buy a car? Uh, and if you're going to buy it in the virtual world, I think definitely if you buy the real car, you're going to have this whole immersive experience first. Um, you can drive around in your vehicle. Uh, the one that you select, you may choose to to test out certain options that you, that you want to give a try, see how it looks in your garage, uh, in front of your house. But it's, all, it's also about connecting different worlds. So... The whole uh, production process may change too, right? Already cars are, are very customized, but if the, the metaverse starts to democratize further, then everybody becomes uh, a contributor. So you could design elements of your own car and be in direct contact with the factory where this element is then designed and put into your car. So yeah, we can, it's it, like uh, Bastian said, it's, it's hard to imagine all of the possibilities, mm. but um, yeah, there's so much out there. I do like the idea of being involved as a consumer in the factory saying like, no, no, move that a little to the left. I wanted a deeper shade of green. That's intriguing. The next question is a bit perhaps controversial considering the background that some of us are coming from. But is there a risk here that the metaverse is going to adversely affect demand for real world cars? I say this because if we are going more places in the metaverse, hanging out more, socializing more, are we going to need our cars less? Florian, you're kind of working on building this. so We're, we're working on building <laughs> this. And plus, I, I had some experience in my prior job. We called it back then virtual travels. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a fact that we already see right now with the pandemic and with the increasing number of video calls and the reduced number of people commuting and stuff. And at the end of the day, the more we bring to the virtual world and the more we can do there, of course, I'm of the opinion we will not be doing everything in the virtual world, but there's going to be stuff that we're going to do there. At the end of the day, the more there is in virtual, the less there is in the real life and the less we need probably physical cars to get from A to B because we're doing a lot of getting from A to B virtually. That cannot be music to Mercedes' ears. How are you guys preparing for that or thinking about that? What's what's the plan? Well, you know, that's what you assume if you consider the car as a purely rational item, right? Um, that you only need for the use of com coming from A to B. Um, well, of course, we don't consider a car as such, yeah? Um, of course, uh, it is much more your personal freedom, um, the freedom to go wherever you want to, whenever you need to. Um, and it's also a state symbol. Of course, the trade status symbol, you can transfer that probably to the metaverse. Mm. Uh, but as of today, you know, uh, we have have seen long years now uh, when everybody was saying and anticipating that people won't buy more cars, any more of the cars, and the next generation will really not focus on new cars. Mm. We don't see that today. Yeah. So let's wait and see it. All right. You don't sound too worried <laughs> to me. You sound pretty confident. Catherine, what, what do we know from a, from a research perspective? This is something you've been thinking about for years and years. 
what do you expect? Yeah, actually, it's something that is, um, I mean, years and years, but it's also now becoming much more concrete, right? As, as Tom said, there are already some, some real-life use cases out there, and especially on the enterprise level, right? We see that uh, in product development, there are some of the I ideas of the metaverse that have been applied for the already in the past years, right? Like uh, using AR, VR, uh, you know, really connecting data between uh, the R&D and the production sites, which gives you tremendous opportunities. I think now we take it at a completely new level. And essentially, that also means the way we're going to develop cars will, will, will change completely, right? Yeah. Um, because you don't really need this lengthy production or th these lengthy product cycles, uh, you know, five to seven years. Um, but you will come more into a world where you build hardware in the way you build software today, right? Mm. Everything is virtually built first. Um, you can uh, collaborate with partners, with customers, and actually designing it you're not going to de just design maybe one model but you might try out different versions you could even you know hundred thousands versions of it and test it virtually until you you know you get the sweet spot and 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 you you simulated things and then you decide eventually okay now i'm going to build the physical car um i'm also thinking that uh, the type of car might also change a little bit, right? Because if we are not uh, just traveling for, or if we're not traveling for commuting, yeah, if that is, is all taken care of um, by our virtual collaboration, then we really travel for leisure and we travel for fun and we travel for the experience. And I think that's also but a call to action also to OEMs to, to provide us that experience uh, that will make driving in a physical car is still very attractive. Okay, so I think it's really interesting what you're bringing up here, the way the metaverse might transform internal processes, how we make a car, the production cycle, which is currently quite long. Tom, tell us, how is NVIDIA thinking about this? How could the metaverse affect production and internal processes? Um, <clears throat> yeah, this, it, this is actually already happening. Um, so when we talk about production, um, there's of course the, the factory of the future. Um, so metaverse is not only about walking around with VR goggles. Um, and so we're creating digital twins of factories. And in fact, for, for BMW, we've already created uh, 6 million square meters of factory floor. And they're using that to simulate their processes and to optimize uh, processes whenever they change something to the production line. Um, they could simulate it first, see if it works, increase efficiency, um, optimize the output, and really test everything, uh, not just from a, let's say, concrete factory level, but all the way up till the very you know individual components. Mm. So that's, that's the factory side. But... Um, yeah, as mentioned before as well, the the, the design and and uh, yeah, the design of the car and, and basically all the way from design to marketing, there's also going to be a lot of benefits because what you see today is that uh, some design groups use uh, particular software um, that that's not interoperable with uh, with the engineers, for instance, or with the marketing. So they need to render everything again, starting from scratch. So. Now, if all these things are connected and everybody can work of one single source of truth, they can save a lot of time. And I think already there, there are big steps from you know, moving away from scale models for everything into more virtual worlds mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and digital models. Um, but yeah, by being able to collaborate on one single source of truth, um, yeah, it's going to be even uh, even more efficient. Okay, Florin, you've got some relevant experience in this area. Why, why don't you weigh in on this? 
Yeah, I, I think it's not only, as uh, Tom mentioned, the production, but if you bring a vehicle from the idea to the road, mm. you also need to do a lot of testing. And that's basically what we do at Avis Reality. We want to not build the factory virtually, but the whole world to give you this playground for testing. Mm. And then there's the potential which comes in through what you said. It's all based on data and it's all kind of interchangeable and you have infinite variations because you can yeah, change the virtual world as you want it. So we see a huge potential in bringing the testing of physical vehicles into the virtual world. And then, of course, make and leverage the, the potential of iterating fast and, and creating variations and so on to reduce time to market to um, yeah, just basically speed up the R&D. It sounds so promising when you put it like that. And for me, it begs the question, and maybe maybe this is one for Bastian, but are, are we talking about one single metaverse? Are they going to be interconnected? How do I get from Mercedes metaverse to a competitor's? Not that I would go there. How, do, how does this look in, in practical terms? Yeah, that's probably the, the key reason why we are saying it's still several years out. The big vision for the metaverse is to have an open space where you can seamlessly move from, from one virtual space to the next. You take your avatar, your virtual representation with you, but it's it's not a closed shop. And it's not one company building their own metaverse and then you have the other company building the second metaverse. Um, it will be the way at least we see it more like a platform. So think of it as the mobile internet as of today. So you have a mobile internet and then you have several apps on it. In the future, we believe the mobile internet will be the metaverse and yet, and then you have several different rooms and spaces on it. With the difference to the mobile internet we know today that you can seamlessly move from one room to the other uh, and no need to log in to create different profiles and so on. This is still really some years away, but that is the big vision I believe we should all strive for because then it makes much more sense than the mobile internet and all their closed applications that we know as of today. Okay. Let's talk about money for a second, because the market mm -hmm. potential for the metaverse is huge. And I'm going to quote here a, a figure from Bloomberg Global. They put the potential market volume at 800 billion U.S. dollars by 2024. That's huge. We've seen this happen in tech, that the early adopters take a mm -hmm. huge advantage, and it becomes a, a winner-takes-all situation. Catherine, do you expect to see that happen in the metaverse? I don't yet see a winner a winner takes it all perspective, but I think what is really important for for auto companies um, to to really try to understand what the metaverse means for them and what are some of the uh, use cases that are already valuable today, right? So the the Bloomberg number, I mean, it's it's a huge number, but uh, I mean, how to verify today, right? Mm, it's, it, okay. it's it's really hard. But uh, I think when we when we boil it down and really say, what are some of the applications uh, that we can already realize today? Yeah, you mentioned virtual testing, uh, virtual simulation of things, uh, a more immersive customer experience. We can already see the, I mean, we we can see the value potential that is coming with it, right? Mm. That makes sense. Tom, what, what's the NVIDIA perspective on this? Are you guys concerned or are you concerned about early adopters securing a huge advantage? And are, do you see yourself as one? Um, well, so these are two questions. I do see ourselves as an early adapter and we're, we're fully into it and we're ready for it. Um, but I don't think it's a concern because in order for the metaverse to have any value, um, everybody will need to contribute. And this cannot be done if one company owns the, the code and 
um, or every every individual company owns their own, and it's not interoperable. So it's really about you know open standards and and uh, interoperability. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody will need to contribute. Now, if you talk about the what's the value of of this, um, it's indeed very hard to put a number on that because I mentioned the factory of the future example. Um, now, if you're as a car maker, you, if you produce one car every minute, and because of some mistake in the production planning, you now have to stop your car line, uh, your production line for uh, for half a day. How expensive is that? And if you can prevent that by simulating and collaborating in a virtual world first and make sure you have everything optimized, you're going to save a lot of money. So do you count that too in the 800 mil- eight billion? Um, or is that just about, let's say, consumer, uh, the consumer space? You know, it's, it's, it's so big. I take your point. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Guys, let's, let's talk for a second about expectation versus reality. I don't want to put anyone too much on the spot here, but when we look at the current metaverse applications, it's not all bright, shiny, fast things. It is a little bit away from where it could go. <laughs> what needs to happen for this to become the fancy reality that we're all, or most of us, are envisioning and hoping for. And maybe we'll let Bastian start. What has to happen, technically? I think it's a couple of points. Um, First, it's definitely about the hardware that is required. I touched briefly already on the Quest 2, which is one of the devices out there currently. think we will see an involvement of hardware over time. Uh, lighter devices, smaller devices, um, devices that integrate more seamlessly into our daily lives and that enable another layer of virtual reality wherever we are, really. So I think that's that's the one point. The second is really to, to try it out. And I do make the comparison from time to time um, to trying out um, electric cars. Uh, often people are skeptical about driving an electric car, although it's pretty clear that the future is going to that direction. Um, and the moment they have been sitting inside an electric car, they've been test driving it, they're like, okay, now I see why the industry is going to that direction. It does make sense. It's a great experience. I think the same is true for the metaverse and the early experience that we can all already experience today, like virtual reality, for instance. So if you've ever experienced a meeting in virtual reality and having colleagues sitting virtually on the left or on the right of you, it's a different experience. And you get a much better sense that this will become the default in a couple of years' time. So I think it's really as of now, about the right hardware devices, um, about trying things out, and then defining the use cases and defining the areas where it makes most sense currently. Mm. And there are definitely some industries where it's still very far away and others where it's closer to home. So I think when we look at the automotive and the mobility mobility industry, um, as it has been mentioned, there are several use cases existing already today. So there, it's not like a decade out um, companies can try to, to explore the metaverse or parts of it already today and then adapt over time and learn with it. Let, let's talk about some of those use cases right now. You guys are all in this industry. What developments are you looking at right now that you're like, ooh, that's exciting? Who wants to go first? You go first, Kevin. <laughs> I think there are different, I mean, different things that we also, I mean, some of them we already mentioned, right? I mean, things like um, virtual development. I, I mean, I see really potential on the, on the R&D side yeah? Yeah. when we really simulate, uh, I mean, we test, uh, we test cars virtually. I mean, that is something what, 
with real use cases. But you can see other ones, yeah, in, uh, I mean, just walking to a remote production site that is maybe in India and I have like the, uh, the full representation of it and I can, uh, you know, I can easier understand where maybe a, pr a problem has uh, come from. Yeah? Without having to fly uh, without to India. Without actually having to fly visa. to India. Yeah. yeah. Or on the, uh, if I think more downstream, um, on the on the sales or after sales side, I mean, just imagine um, you have a tire problem, yeah, and you need to fix a tire. How cool would it be if you just put on your uh, AR glasses and, and you have maybe someone either guiding you uh, how to do it or even some kind of like augmented reality mm. that helps you change your tires, something, you know, things so like I'm that. So I'm going to be changing yeah. my own tire in the metaverse is what you're telling me. <laughs> I'm not going to be calling AAA. Well, we will see that those worlds will, I mean, they will be seamless, right? Between the, the physical and the virtual. And, uh, and, and if these two things blur, then uh, we could see some of those things um, becoming really exciting and interesting for, for customers to use. If the metaverse can teach me to change a tire, it will make a full <laughs> believer out of me. Uh, Tom, I, I want to come to you because I know NVIDIA is working on this as well and, and give you a chance to also you know, talk about some of the use cases that, that you're seeing that you find exciting and inspiring. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I, I think I named two already uh, within the automotive industry. Um, so uh, factory of the future, uh, design process and marketing, and let's say the all the way, the end-to-end -end process for that. Um, the other one is indeed uh, autonomous driving. So mm. um, we're developing AI for, for autonomous driving. We're developing all the algorithms. And if you're driving around in the real world, um, you're not always going to encounter everything that you want to test. So if you, if you have test data, it's typically not enough. So that's why walk, you know, driving around in a virtual world, you can create all sorts of scenarios that are likely, hopefully, never going to happen, but that you do want to be ready for. Mm -hmm. Um, testing those out, see how your uh, how your algorithms respond to that, and then improve the algorithms as well, creating the creating these scenarios. That's uh, yeah, that's a massive game changer for us, and it's something that we are already doing. All right. So some of the now outside of automotive, there, there's yeah, there's just so many more. Right. Um, think of. Uh, uh, predicting where a fire is going to go to. So um, the fire, the, the people that are going to have to fix the fire uh, can know where to put the water hose and um, using AI for that. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of opportunities. Yeah, no, nothing more important than knowing where the fire is going. <laughs> how, how, if yeah. you take a step back and think about like where the fire is going, what is Mercedes planning? Is there anything in the in the pipeline? How are you guys thinking about this? Actually, we are reviewing the cases which we mentioned before because I think we shouldn't really only look at the very early value chain. Uh, we could also test something with our end customers. Mm. Uh, so you wouldn't necessarily maybe sell a car, but you could check how your accessories fit to the car you're having and simulate it and um, have a first experience on how this comes together. So. Uh, um, maybe not if we imagine already the store experience uh, mm -hmm. in the metaverse, but maybe accessories or other smaller use cases might also be upcoming in the next years. Yeah. Okay, so you said not the full store experience yet. What's missing? Let's come back to something we were talking about earlier. What needs to happen? We've been talking a little bit about hardware. What, 
what's not quite there yet? Well, I think we touched a lot upon the hardware and technology, etc. But I mean, we all have to question ourselves when are the customers ready for this? Mm. Yeah. And I think we have seen in the last year also sort of a cultural appropriation of uh, gaming, right? So you see, I mean, this is, these are the roots of the metaverse, yeah, uh, the gaming industry. And we see an upcoming uh, generation who has been spending hours and hours per day in another world in the gaming world. So, and um, I mean, that's also a reason why we are sponsoring League of Legends, yeah, because we fully uh, believe in this esports uh, mentality, the uh, experience you have there, that, that these are the roots for further experiences in the future. So um, I think uh, we have to see when are our customers ready. But mm. if we talk about uh, what we just saw, so um, I think we will see in the next generations a lot of people very easily switching between the two worlds and just considering this as, as being normal. Yeah. Mm. Um, so uh, let's not only look at the technology uh, factors, but also see when are the customers ready. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, you raise an interesting point. Are the applications available? I don't play League of Legends. What about for someone like me? When are the things that I like? Champagne and shopping and that, what, what, when can I come to the metaverse and have a good time? And I'll, I'll leave this open. Who wants to jump in on that? No pressure. I could add a little because yeah. what I wanted to add to what the guys before said and what you said, I think what's needed to get there is the content and this mm. kind mm. of applies to what you say. Um, there is, of course, gaming is a broad field and what Tom said, uh, virtual testing and, and all this testing autonomous systems in, in virtual worlds. You need the content, you need the world, you need the champagne bottle. So I think there's a lot of stuff to do there to get from what we have today, which is League of, uh, League of Legends, fantasy worlds maybe or other mm. stuff to kind of like the real experience that we have in the real world hmm. brought to the metaverse. And, and who is going to build this? Is it, is it going to be up to every company individually? We're working on this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Office reality is going to build it. I think it's a bit, as, as, as Tom mentioned, right? It's, it's something we can all build. And uh, also the auto companies, they, I mean, you will be able to build the metaverse that you want to have, essentially, right? By by each and everyone contributing to it. And if we end up really with a uh, with this vision of it's it's all going to be connected, which will be still going to be a bit far in the future, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at, at the first, probably we would see a, a very heterogeneous field of you know companies doing different things and 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 trying out, and some will be closed and some will be open. But eventually, if we share the same vision, that it should all work together. It should all be interoperable, uh, interoperable um, then uh, we can we can truly see that you know there there is something to do yeah and mm. we should we should all get started and and shaping it we should all get started building the metaverse Catherine you touched <laughs> earlier on how the metaverse is going to change our ways of working perhaps the way that you yeah. could potentially visit a factory in India without leaving your home and diagnose a problem on the on the working line how is it going to change the working culture, do you think? Is it going to be like what we've all kind of gotten used to in the last two years? My colleagues are on Zoom. I've never been into the mm -hmm. office. Because I, for one, have found that kind of alienating. And maybe, Bastian, this is a question for you. How, how is it going to be better than just Zooming around the world? Yeah, that is actually, I think, one of the biggest use cases we can see already today. Um, so I agree with your assessment, two years working remotely, and, and we as a global workforce work remotely for 90% of that time. Um, it, it does work, but you lose out on one aspect, which is um, 
actual gathering, social collaboration, um, that is much harder to achieve um, working while working remotely. There are some applications out there today already. So one that we have been developing is uh, Horizon Workrooms, where you can meet in virtual spaces. You can define the surrounding. You can define the meeting setting. Is it a classical meeting room? Is it a completely different environment? And then you, you get together as a group of people. You can you can stand up in virtual reality, turn around, go to the whiteboard, share your screen. So everything you know from a video conference or from getting together physically in a meeting room, you can do that in virtual reality. And that is, I would say, is a game changer um, because that enables that feeling of presence, that enables that possibility of talking one-on-one -on -one in a smaller setting while being in a larger group meeting that brings the possibility to to catch up on some small talk uh, and I think that will become reality so and that will also um, bridge that kind of gap that we are seeing today I think we've all probably learned uh, about all the big benefits while working remotely um, you don't need the commute you can um, you can include people from different parts of the world, um, but we are missing out on the social aspect. And I think this is where the metaverse can play a key element moving forward. I love that you picked up on that, those water cooler moments, the office gossip. It's impossible to get on Zoom. And I think if the metaverse is going to get it right, it's going to have to figure that out or else we're all going to want to be at the actual water cooler. I I think we're coming to the end here, but I want to give everyone kind of a chance to weigh in and, and we'll go around. Maybe Catherine, we'll start with you. Yeah. Give me your personal aha moment. When did you realize that the metaverse is something that we all need to build yeah. and not just something that we need to watch happen and pass us by? Actually, there was, um, it was a moment not too long ago, maybe like three weeks ago and, um, or maybe four weeks. And, uh, two things happened at the pretty much the same time. On the one, one side, I had the chance to first try out, uh, some of those AR, VR glasses. So we did a meeting, uh, virtually in that environment. And, and, and yes, we didn't have legs because, you know, it's, it's really hard to, to, <laughs> to do the leg thing, but we were drinking champagne. Yeah. Hey. Virtually. <laughs> and we had these like one-on-one -on -one discussions. And, and, and we were working in like a conference center and you could see like there's a big auditorium and you were showing a, a video and, uh, and, and we would move to another room to, to, to look at some of the showcases. And, and you get the sense, not, not that we are already there, but you get the sense of the potential that's, mm. that's coming, uh, you know, that is really ahead, that will change collaboration in a completely way. And uh, at the same time, we were working with uh, one of our clients on this, on this vision of um, what, is the, what are the digital twins of the future? Uh, how is digital twins be an important element of, of this whole metaverse concept and, and what will it mean? And so on the one side, you know, we were seeing kind of the, um, the actual uh, application of it already, yeah, and how is it relevant for, for auto companies today, and at the same time having really the personal experience, and that was a true aha moment for me. So for you, seeing was believing. Absolutely. Okay. You have to try it out. That, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Florian, I know, I know you're working in this industry. You were building those digital twins we were referencing. Presumably your aha moment came far before some of ours. What was it? What made you go, this is it? It's interestingly, it, it was way before. It was about two years ago, two and a half years ago, but it was the same kind of, because it was one more, at two moments. The one moment was when I first time tried on a Oculus glass, mm. VR glass, and that, that was stunning. That was a new way of being in there somehow. And I was spending literally the whole evening 
until the battery uh, died with these glasses on, and I got lost there. So I think this, there I saw this potential of, okay, this is something new, this is something cool. And then the other thing was when I saw that how we could contribute or that is, that's something that you should shape is when I met my co-founder and saw what he was doing in a game engine and this level of detail you have there for virtual worlds, the potentials you have because there's physics in there, um, all that stuff you can bring the real world in there. That was the second moment. So, so you've had two aha moments and now you're spending your career on it. Tom, tell us about your aha moment. What made you realize this is what you want to spend your energy on? Well, <clears throat> I think, well, first of all, uh, NVIDIA has always been into simulations and, and rendering uh, uh, graphics and, and all that. Um, and what really made a big change for us was, was real-time rendering. So now you don't have to wait for hours to create a beautiful image. And as such, we were doing simulations for, for, for the self-driving cars. We have, we have a platform for that, but also for robotics to train robots. Um, and this is super cool. But then when we added this element of design collaboration and really doing the simulation in a collaborated world globally, uh, that was really when it clicked to me. So that's when I realized it was not just a gimmick for people who like computer games <laughs> and, and, you know, walking around with VR, VR headsets. Bastian, you're working at Meta, but tell us what was your personal aha moment about the metaverse? Yeah, interestingly, I think it wasn't too long ago for me. It was the moment when I realized the potential for human connection, really, um, through virtual reality, augmented reality, and all the technologies that are out there today already. Um, I did try on Quest 2 or back then Oculus Rift a couple of years ago, which was impressive, but which was still a bit of a niche. And I think about three months ago, maybe, when we had our first virtual meetings, it made click to me because that feeling of presence is entirely different. And one little aspect that I think often gets overlooked, which is totally available today already, is spatial audio. We often talk when referring to the metaverse and virtual reality and other things about the visual expression and the imagery. I think what is quite impressive when you get together remotely with a bunch of colleagues or friends and you have audio coming from left or right, depending on where the person is sitting and based in, in the virtual space, gives a complete different meaning to, to gathering. And it's different than looking at a screen with five different tiles or five different people in the video conference and audio coming all from one direction. So I think that was the moment when to me it became clear, yes, this is going to be the default, how we will interact in a professional setting, but also on, on personal level with friends who are not around and uh, living far away from us. Bastian, you are giving me hope that we are never gonna have to say that horrible Zoom phrase, sorry, you're on mute. Yeah, to me, it was really also two moments. Actually, I think it's five years ago that I had, it was an Oculus Rift, I think, when I was uh, visiting a Mongolian tent uh, where the whole full family was sitting on the table having dinner and I was capable of sitting down with them and sitting there on the table and still can recall the feelings I had sitting there. So it uh, seemed pretty real to me. So that was stunning and I never forgot about that experience. Mm -hmm. And and second, uh, what really made me think is when we saw this, sold of the uh, this uh, Gucci bag, uh, Dionysus bag, which was like paid, uh, sold for 
4,100 euros or dollars uh, compared to a retail price of 3,400. So that just shows how much this world means to the customers. And uh, so I think this is just the first glimpse of what we can expect from the metaverse. Yeah, I, I think as Bastian was saying, it's, it's early days in internet terms. This is the 90s. But guys, I definitely feel like I have learned so much from each of you. And I really appreciate you sharing your experience and your contributions, Catherine. Florian, Bastian, Tom, Gazina, thank you all so much for being part of the IAA Mobility Visionary Club on the Metaverse. And if you enjoyed our show, please subscribe to our channel. We have plenty more content and some exciting talks with all topics mobility. We have got you covered. I'll see you next time.